This show is brought to you by Tahoe Lab Snowboards. Abe and Lee at Tahoe Lab are building boards for riders using a bamboo core in two different constructions, traditional and phantom. The traditional uses two sheets of carbon fiber and two sheets of triaxial fiberglass to build a bomber board that can take years of abuse. The Phantom uses aerospace carbon fiber to build the lightest, most responsive board possible, helping to keep the weight low for those long days of touring in the backcountry. Finally, Tahoe Lab boards feature a DuraSurf base to keep you gliding effortlessly. Go to TahoeLab.com and use the discount code DS15 at checkout for your 15% discount on all your board purchases. This episode is brought to you by Fernie Brewing, ferniebrewing.com. Pro Standard. Check out Ken Achenbach's full line of GoPro mounts, including the grill mount, the single most versatile GoPro mount ever made. Use the code DARKSTARTS for free shipping when you order at www.prostandard.com. This episode is also brought to you by Smartwool. Smartwool wants to get you outside to do what feels natural so you can go far and feel good. Visit smartwool.com and check out their line of merino wool layers, socks, and outerwear. And use the discount code DS10 at checkout. On course right now, Erica the Viking Vikander getting into the Ganagana already. Yeah, this section is deceptive. It's really concave, so it's hard to be smooth through there, but Erica making short work of it. What I can share is like touching back on the Freeride World Tour stuff, right. where like, you know, when we were talking about the safety and the guides and stuff, and like, yeah, the safety team that goes out there is literally putting their lives on the line, and like people have lost their lives like doing that kind of safety work for us so like it's definitely not something that i take lightly and i've seen personally hey folks and welcome to episode 45 of dark starts your backcountry splitboarding podcast in this one we talk with erica the viking vikander splitboarder and pro rider on the free ride world tour so join us for a cold one as we talk with Erica in her hood. Let's drop in with Erica Vikander. So Erica, I understand we're keeping you up late tonight because you've got a, a date with Pow tomorrow. That's right, but I'm happy to be here chatting with you guys. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, coming on board with the team because now you're part of the team that's how it works you don't just get to come here chat with us and then leave doesn't work that way <laughs> you are so we're friends forever you've been, <laughs> you've been recruited and we're gonna have to come riding in your neck of the woods once the world becomes back to whatever the new norm becomes oh wait a minute can i say it yeah we need to come ride in your hood in your hood exactly because <laughs> it's all good in the hood that's yeah. right yeah <laughs> 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 nice. All right. It's not an inside joke. Let's tell everybody what we're talking about. Where are you riding? <laughs> Where are you riding tomorrow? Um, I am riding at Mount Hood Meadows, which is my home resort. I'm living in Hood River, Oregon right now. So got some pretty fun mountains around here. Nice. No that are on most people's radars, which is pretty awesome. That is. Especially this year. It's like the resorts are getting, well, in Canada, they're getting pounded. They're busy. Oh, yeah, that's right, because we went riding a couple of weeks ago at a small little hole-in-the-wall place um, in British Columbia, and uh, it's a, it's actually a place called Powder King. Um, well I've heard known. of that place. Yeah. <laughs> Craig Kelly did a video there in the 90s. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was in Board of the World is the video that Craig did. Right? Thanks, Boom. Bill Lang. Yeah. 
and thank Craig. Thanks, Craig Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Powder King's pretty epic place, and uh, we went there, and apparently it's been like a record season for them. Oh, good for them. Yeah, I'm happy to crazy. hear that for someone. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I know because I was on, I was on a I was on a Zoom call the other night with a lady out of Austria. She's starting her own podcast, and uh, she lives at a, res- a resort town. Like, works at the resort, and she's like, "It's dead." I got my season's pass and the resort is empty. So it's like, she's like, I ride alone. <laughs> like, wow. Dang. Yeah. I'm jealous of their situation right now, though, because they seem to have the complete opposite yeah. problem that most of us are having yeah. here in the Western world where yeah. they have too much snow. <laughs> we have no snow and they have way too much can we just have a happy medium between all of us please (laughs) yeah but and and, you know i might be misspeaking but like haven't like in your neck of the woods erica haven't you guys been having like epic years previous to this with snowfall amounts i mean yes and no i mean we always get like a pretty decent amount but since i've lived in oregon i can personally attest to seeing the snow level is just decreasing every single year. And five years ago when I moved here, I definitely felt like there was more winter, if that makes sense, than there is now where we're at the end of January and we like have barely had a decent storm to like give us good coverage. And, you know, I'm getting up at six 30 in the morning to go ride nine inches on ice <laughs> because that's all we have right now. <laughs> hey, it's a date I'm happy to do it, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's, I really think that it's starting to take a lot more shape and notice for people in, in this neck of the woods. And, and then you have Baker, of course, which is only like four hours North of here. And they just, always seem to get it so good <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's like powder king it's four hours yeah. away. You, you roll up like 45 minutes away there's grass everywhere's grass and then you start creeping the snow banks start to get a little bit high oh as you get up little, into the pass yeah. yeah then you're then you're 20 minutes away and it's like seven feet high the snow banks inside the road like holy shit all right so crazy here we go it's like japan <laughs> yeah it's like here we go <laughs> yeah yeah lots of fun so let's dig into a little bit uh, about Erica. So where, when did the snowboarding start? Let's do a little bit of that, and let's fa- and we'll fast forward into the splitboarding world for you. But what's uh, when did snowboarding start? And why snowboarding? Yeah, well, I was really lucky to grow up in Montana, so oh. I'm just just south of you guys up there in Canada. I feel like I'm I'm your southern Canadian neighbor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And I actually skied before I ever started snowboarding. So growing up in Montana, we lived in Bozeman. And so I'd go up to Bridger Bowl. And we weren't like an avid skiing family, I wouldn't say. Like my my brother and sister would go and my mom would go occasionally. But it was kind of a weekend warrior scene. And Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, I really took to it. I think just, um, you know, being handed the keys to my freedom and getting to be like, all right, go to the hill. You can go wherever you want. You can do whatever you want. Like, just don't die, (laughs) which is still pretty much like how I live my life. Just like, go do it. Just don't die. Montana definitely was a great place to grow up and, and shape me into the snowboarder that I got to become today. Yeah. You shred hard. I I watched some of your videos. Your, your, your push. It's good. I like watching. Yeah. Thank very, you. Very impressive. No question. Thank you. Hence why you're on the show. 
<laughs> so yeah, so you did that for a while. So did your your brothers, any of your brothers, or you have what, siblings? One or two? Brother, sister? Yep, I have an older brother, an older sister. So did pretty they? much we all skied first, oh, and yeah. then my brother started snowboarding. And so, of course, I was like, well, I have to snowboard now. And so (laughs) it was a quick learn fast or die sort of situation. Again, keep up with him and his friends or get left behind. So my learning curve was relatively fast on the snowboard um, because I had no other choice. But it was great. And (laughs) Or get left behind. Exactly. Right. Right. (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. Like, yeah, peace out. (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of a no mercy you know, love hate situation, but it was good. And, and he and I joke about it now and, and he's still, you know, we always have the sibling rivalry nice. where when we do get to ride together, he's quite a bit bigger than I am. He's like a six foot tall, like Spartan man. And I'm like a five foot six, 140 no, no, pound thing. No, no so Darren, you're not Spartan. <laughs> you might be six feet, but you sure as fuck ain't Spartan. <laughs> So oh. regardless of how fast I think I am, I he know. always like crushes me just with the pure weight stirs. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I weigh close to your weight, so it's, you know, I'm, I'm not Spartan either. Yeah, it's hard, you know, it, that extra weight really, it helps when you're going fast. <laughs> I have to put a brick in the back, my backpack when I go riding then. Totally. <laughs> extra weight. Fill up some extra water bottles. Extra weighted vest, <laughs> an extra 20 pounds on me. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't have a sibling. So I had buddies to ride with, and I think I just wanted to. Re- reading the magazines got me stoked, so that's what got me really doing my thing, skateboarding and stuff. So yeah, I can. That was kind of like my goal was like the skateboard videos or snowboarding videos and the sk- snowboarding magazines where I didn't have a sibling pushing me. Just Aww. I wanted to do it. You had your. Buddies. It's nice to have that outlet. I wish we had more magazines still. <laughs> yeah, it's uh. Yeah. Anyways, we're not going to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. uh, Source source subject. Yeah. 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 You got to have a good printer nowadays. Just print everything from Instagram on your walls. I used to have my walls plastered with Snowboard Transworld magazine. I don't even remember half the guys. It would be Sean Palmer and all those guys all over my walls. And you just made me think about that. Like that was uh, was a whole different era, man. Kids these days aren't going to have that. eh? No, they're definitely not. I even used to have like, because I was big in the Motley crew and my one buddy, (laughs) my buddies had like brothers, two brothers, right? One was older, younger, obviously, obviously, but one liked Rat and one liked Motley crew and they were two like, you know, fighting rocker guys back in the 80s and, yeah, and I so they were walls were plastered, so I went home and plastered mine with you know, snowboarding, skateboarding, and all that stuff. So, yeah, I feel like everybody had that magazine collage on their wall yeah. at one point yeah. in their lives yeah. that was lucky enough to grow up with magazines. And you're right; it's crazy to think that, like, yeah, the kids these days probably won't yeah, won't f- have a whole lot of magazine cutouts on their walls. No, they're fifteen bucks a magazine nowadays, too, man. Like, well, and the crazy thing is, like, <laughs> even the generation before our generation had the same thing we had in that sense, right? Like yeah. they were plastering the walls, but yeah, I had yeah. Lamborghini though, the red Lamborghini, the nice frame around it. I had that. But I don't know. I don't think I want a Lambo. <laughs> There's better cars nowadays than a Lambo, but cool. True so, that. So your brother pushed you, and he's still pushing you. That's awesome. Yeah, and I, I don't get to ride with him too much anymore, but right. my 
I had a cousin that also came into town and she also really helped solidify it for me because she brought me a snowboard and gave me my very first snowboard. So it was like this pivotal moment for me. And she actually like took the time to help me with some of my foundation stuff too, because she actually knew how to snowboard. And (laughs) so it was a different dynamic than, (laughs) yeah, like exactly different dynamic than going with my brother and his friends where it was just like trying to keep up at all costs and her being like, this is how you turn. And this is how you stop. (laughs) Novel idea. I know. Amazing. Right. So funny to think about the risks you're willing to take when you're young though. And and how just ballsy you are. Entirely. What, uh, what was your first board? I honestly don't remember the model, but it was a Burton and it had this hummingbird on the top of it. It was like this baby blue board and had a hummingbird and it was like so cool. I thought it was just like the coolest what, thing what I've ever seen. It sounds like it's a, uh, it would be a, uh, um, it was probably like 2000, oh, no. 2001 maybe. Yeah, no, I don't even know. I was thinking maybe Shannon Dunn, but I don't think that's her, one of her boards. I don't think she was sponsored. Maybe it was Kelly Clark. Maybe at the um, time. Cause she was with a, <clears throat> she was with Burton back in the day then too, I think. I don't know. I might have my timelines out. I don't remember all those that actually that was the time when I actually stopped snowboarding for ten ten years? Seven years I stopped snowboarding. When I got out of the industry in two thousand nineteen ninety nine, I uh went into sales, selling internet stuff and I was like, I gotta pay how much to go to a lift? And I I'm making how much money now? I was like, Oh, it's this is not working. So I stopped until I came out west to Alberta and started making really good money and then I can afford my, you know, quiver of twelve snowboards or fourteen, whatever they are nowadays. Yeah. I've been through that. That's when I stopped. I don't remember a lot of this stuff in those early two thousands. I'm searching feverishly. Oh, he's searching feverishly fe- online, feverishly. but I can't So at that point. Did you have like a snowboarding boot or what would you like, did you already have that kind of set up for yourself already? So it makes, you know, turning a lot easier because you know, I started with Sorrells, some soft boots, with big old high Yeah, I, I mean, I think we had a combination of like some very soft, quote unquote, snowboard boots, not quite Sorrells, but yeah. I was also, you know, the youngest of three. So everything was hand-me-down. Oh. So by the time I got them, they might as well have been Sorrells. Yeah, they're punched because, right out. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I had really flexible little ankles to tell you what. <laughs> we just stuff some socks around my ankles, dad, so I can get some support in here. Like, right. Yeah, that's funny. And, and nowadays, yeah, it's, it's funny totally actually my changed. dad never came with us though he was he's not a snow sports person i've never been on the snow with my dad ever <laughs> so how did you get to the mountain you just dropped you off and left or what um no so growing up in montana this was the beauty of growing up in a small safe place there was this bus system oh. that my mom would give me she gave me $20, I think, for the whole weekend. So I could go Saturday and Sunday and I'd like walk. I could walk from my house to where the bus picked us up. It would drive the 45 minutes up to Bridger Bowl. I'd go buy my lift ticket. I'd get my little lunch so I could get two lunches and two lift tickets with my $20, <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> what? And, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Like you can't even get a lunch for $20 nowadays. But, yeah. No. You're... And then I got back on the little bus and I'd ride home and <laughs> walk back to the house. I was a very uh, 
independent child and my parents had a lot of faith in my ability to not do dumb things. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, on their defense, you got a snowboard in your hand. What do you really... Where I you, know. Where are you going to go? You're going to go home to get rid of the snowboard first. So <laughs> that's what I think right. with my kids. Like, they're probably going to come and drop that off first before they go do anything that's, you know, in trouble. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they may not have that been that logical, but that's as logical as I get. So, but anyways, that's cool. That's <laughs> really fortunate for you. That's you know, that's awesome that you were able to have a, a simple bus system and 20 bucks, your parents had it easy. But, you know, if you look at the way money was even even the early 2000s, that's still, eh, it'd be about 40 bucks, 45 bucks now, I guess. That's still really good. Yeah, I mean, it was, Montana was just like, you know, a few years behind the rest of the country as far as catching up with resort prices. And I think it still is. And in quite a few places and so it was it was a really awesome place to be able to grow up and it, it was awesome for my parents to be able to have a community that was safe enough to mm-hmm. like send your kids out to go yeah. get on a bus to exactly. ride up to a mountain like you know a lot of kids like can't even do that anymore no like, well, someone will steal their snowboard on them like four kids will jump them for their board like type thing right? right yeah it's just it's such a different time and i feel really really grateful to have grown up in montana when i did <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So when did you decide to start competing? Because, you know, you sent us a bio on yourself and you've done lots of competitions and it's still part of your life to this day. So when did that come Yeah, out? where's Big Brother now? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Big Brother was a magazine, a skateboard magazine back when I was <laughs> No, I'm talking about her Big Brother. <laughs> Pulling out skateboard guys, the sheets, yeah, the pages, yeah, no. Yeah, my big brother actually sells solar energy now. He lives in Southern California along with the rest of my family. And I, somebody, when I first started snowboarding, so I guess, you know, I started when I was like 11. And when I was like 12 or 13, there was a contest at Big Sky, like a local like bank slalom or something like that. Someone was like, you should go and enter that. And and I was like, oh, cool. Like, I should go do that. So I like went and did it. And and somehow I got entered into the open category. Like there was like age categories and I'm like 12. Right. And so somehow I like got entered into this open category and I won. And everyone was like so blown away because I was like this child that just like, <laughs> like they call my name and I like wandered up there and everyone's like, like, honey, this, this, this isn't your category. And yeah. I'm like, ah. I think it is like you called my name and yeah. you know they Where's like figured mom? it all out and, <laughs> yeah it was like so funny and oh. and so that was like the first thing that kind of like you know planted the seed in my mind I was like oh like you know if I can compete against those people that are like so much bigger than me like maybe I could do this and not that I really right then was like I'm gonna be a professional I was just like I'm you know I'm a competitive person and I I've played competitive sports my whole life like this is fun for me so just kept doing like little local contests and then my parents like went through a divorce and my mom and siblings moved down to Southern California and my dad and I actually ended up moving to Park City, Utah, which is where I have to say I really kind of got like my start into the career side of snowboarding and it was, you know, he, he made that decision based on my love of snowboarding which is like a pretty amazing thing for him to take into consideration with all the other stuff going on (laughs) in life at that point and I was also sort of a problem child so I didn't make life like super duper easy for (laughs) for him at the same time (laughs) that's why you went with your dad not with your mom and the rest of your family 
Because they're like, she's a troubled child. We're going to send her away. (laughs) Yeah, no, like I'm actually, I'm super close with my mom and I'm, I just, my dad and I have a really, we have a very unique relationship and he and I like understand each other and without going into like the depths of some very personal family business, um, I just felt like I I needed to go with him um, just to maintain the family balance. So that was kind of what what gotcha. prompted me to go that direction because I honestly like probably should have gone with my mom to California, <laughs> which would have altered my life path drastically. There you go. No doubt. Surfer. Hindsight's 2020. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so much less equipment. That's right. <laughs> so much warm. warmer. Yeah. Mm-hmm, <laughs> That's right. mm-hmm. Except for that coral reef kicks the crap out of you if you hit it hard. If you're in that that area. Yeah. Well, so do rocks on the side of a mountain. Yes, they do. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, yep. (laughs) So, yeah. So you started progressing, you know, Salt Lake. You started progressing in your um, competing from that point. Yeah. So I I got a scholarship to go to this thing called the Winter Sports School. And I I actually, I just wrote an essay um, to this, to the board of this school. So like, the whole deal is you go to school during the summer, so you have the winters off so you can compete oh. and travel. And it was like catered towards winter athletes. Nice. And so I wrote this letter and was like, you know, I really love snowboarding. Like, here's what I've done. Like, you know, and I'm, I'm a pretty decent writer when I put my mind to it. So they like accepted my scholarship and I was like one of 22 in my graduating class from that little tiny winter sports school. And I'm like super proud to say that I'm the only person in my graduating class that still is doing their said sport that they went to school for. And I was the only person that like had to get a scholarship to go and their parents didn't just like put the bills. I'm like still pretty proud of that one. That is for sure. That's an accomplishment. It's one of those like, you know, if you want something like you can make it happen. And if you work hard enough, it will happen for you. It doesn't matter like how privileged other people might be. It's like the person that works the hardest at the end of the day. Yep. I know all about it. Been there, done that. Still doing it now. That's how I live my life. Push myself. We got to keep doing it too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I, this is funny. I've always believed in, well, I guess since the early 2000s, I started learning about, uh, you know, someone made this really funny joke one time, but I've taken it to heart. You know, C students hire B students and A students teach. And uh, mm. when I look back at my life, I'm like, yeah. Because I always like manipulated the teacher and didn't didn't want to do my homework or you know made sure I got kicked out of class so I wouldn't have to do any homework or work or <laughs> right. <laughs> so and then in grade school when it was cold outside, I'd fight somebody so I could get detention and be inside. Like I'm no fucking <laughs> fool. Like screw this, I'm gonna be inside. You guys can hang out in the cold all you want. <laughs> Strategy, Strategy, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just like when I became uh, a teenager, my mom's a probation and parole officer, and here I am. Like, I love that man. When you like, first told me that, I was blown away. Partying, oh my god! Partying in my house, doing drugs, selling drugs. <laughs> you know, how did you get away with anything? My listen, I, C students wow. hire B students, and A students teach. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's almost it's it's almost like that preacher's kid story, dude. You know, man, like entirely. I had to hustle. I had to be out. I had to smart outsmart everybody. Like it's just how it went. Start with wow. mom. <laughs> but my dad was a bad influence. My dad would be feeding me the, you know, here, yeah, oh yeah, he's bad. That was bad. That's <laughs> good. 
I don't have any money, but I got some of this. Well, I can get rid of that. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Give me an hour. Yeah, yeah. It's done. <laughs> uh, too funny. Learning a lot about my life in this episode. Here we go. <laughs> I'm kind of sweating. That was a lot of uh, whew, little weird, worried stuff there. Anyways, it's all good. Um, yeah, so I hear you hustle but it pays off when you you know when you something that somebody you have an opportunity to do something and it's something you want to do you're going to bust your ass to do it when someone hands it to you it's in like eh, oh, i'll give it a try so yeah so totally. kudos to you erica that's really uh commendable thanks right. yeah it came at like a really uh pretty crucial point in my life too because i was like you know kind of getting in with a pretty rough crowd when I first moved to Utah and I was like a freshman in high school and, you know, dabbling in all of the things. And, Mm -hmm. and had I not opened that door for myself and really pursued it, I like it, it makes me shudder to think like what could have been just Mm. based on like how easily that happens to people and the people that I was surrounded by. So it's another word to the word of the wise, you know, I kind (laughs) of, I, I kind of sort of had the same path, you know, when, uh, uh, yeah, when I was in my, well, when I was 20, moved down to the States from Toronto and, uh, yeah, I could have easily gone down the wrong path, but found an activity, you know, that changed my life. Scuba diving. It was scuba diving. <laughs> it was scuba diving. <laughs> yeah. And it, uh, yeah. And it became an entire chapter of my life for a very long That's time. Awesome. Very jealous about that. Yeah, warm waters all the time. Nice. Not all the time. <sighs> a lot of amazing. it was. A lot of it was very cold water. Oh, but, yeah, I, I can uh, imagine. Not when you went to the Caribbean. But no, no, living in the Caribbean was a whole different thing for yeah. sure. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. It, everything's got its green side and everything's got its oh, brown yeah. side. You know what I mean? So, the grass is greener where you water it. Right? It is exactly. Yeah. yeah. I love that saying. I've never heard that no. one. Boom. Always the grass is greener next door. What I always heard, but if you water grass it at home, is greener. Where you... Wow! I like <laughs> Thanks. I like it. That's good. You're welcome, you guys. Cool. I'm putting that one <laughs> in my pocket. Just going on a little yeah. existential journey here. <laughs> yeah, digging it, digging it. Nice. So, how did you get? Like, so how did that? Your the competitive dig, path. Yeah, like, let's, yeah. Let's dig into that because I know where you're at right now is pretty fucking badass. What you're riding, what you're competing in. So, how did that kind of come to fruition for you yeah so i i joined the park city snowboard team when i like moved to park city and i started going to the winter school and started like kind of taking it more seriously so i was like traveling around doing these little usasa competitions and slope style um so i got my start in the train park obviously (laughs) um so i did that for god like you know, probably three or four years. And then I started like getting invited to the do tour and to some grand prix and like bigger contests and doing well and just kind of like kept moving up the ranks. And then when the Sochi Olympic qualifiers rolled around, I was like, you know, one of the girls for the U S that was like, you know, one of the four or one of the six for which they were going to take, um, that they were looking at which disciplines. For slope style okay. for, yeah. So it would have been the very first slope style. And that was like, so I was actually sitting pretty well in the rankings and like the second to last contest before like the cut as like who made it, mm-hmm. I blew my knee. Oh, yeah, your ACL. <laughs> yep. So, so that like derailed me from the slope style path. And I took 
a year off after I did that just to like you know recenter on my snowboard and I was really worried to like re-injure it again because that's what I've seen like so many people do is like you blow your knee you try to come back too hard too fast then you blow it again and then from that point it seems to be like a downward spiral I I don't know that many people that have had like three knee surgeries it's like it feels 100% again it's like well Jessica Gilbert's had five I can't remember the number but a lot yeah she's like it's my robotic knee pretty much at this point yeah man it's so tough mentally too like i was in like a pretty dark place for a minute like missing the olympic spot and then like i got dropped from a lot of my sponsors too so it was just like you know i was kind of just like fuck yeah what are you gonna do you gotta just pick yourself up and like keep going so I was encouraged by some friends to enter like a big mountain comp. They're like, Oh, like, you know, you're from Montana. Like you, you could probably do really well at one of these, like just go do it. So I was like, all right, like, cool. I'll go try one of these. Like I've always wanted to do it. So I went and entered this one at Snowbird, um, the Subaru free, free ride series. And that was like the first big mountain comp that I ever did. And I ended up getting second and I was like, Oh, like, this is so fun. <laughs> I can just like ride pow and like, yeah. you know, hang out with my friends and there's not all this pressure. Like I was so over the scene of slope style and all the coaches and yeah. all the bullshit and it's yeah. so robotic and it like turned into this jock sport, which was like everything yeah. against what drew me to snowboarding in the beginning of like, yep. it's like the rebellion of all of that. And so I was like having a hard time. And then, you know, looking at the big mountain, like backcountry stuff was just like, yes, like these are my people. This is like <laughs> where I need to be. So making that transition was like pretty easy after I did that comp. I was like, all right, cool. Like what's like the highest place I can go with this. And I found out about the tour and figured out how to get on. And here I am. <laughs> yeah. And what's crazy when you're so, yeah. And you've been doing really well with it. You've been having lots of fun with the, the, with the yeah. free world world tour. Yeah. It's definitely a blast. It's, you know, very challenging at times, just obviously like the travel and mm-hmm. the stress of, you know, where, when and where we're going to compete, like what day, like sometimes we don't really know until like a couple hours before, like like which section of the the actual hill you're going to go ride. You mean? Yeah. Like some, yeah. Like sometimes we have to scope the venue like on site that day. Sometimes it's like a false start. So it's like, it's a lot of emotion that you have to deal with mentally and, and not to mention, like, you know, on the American qualifiers that you have to do to earn the spot on the Freeride World Tour, um, because in America, we're so sue happy, the rules are all different. So you yeah. have to actually, like, physically ride the course before you compete. So essentially, you get a practice run, which oh. is definitely not the case on the tour. And I definitely had never, like, scoped lines with binoculars from, right. like... <laughs> the opposite mountain (laughs) and then like had to go execute and it's terrifying like to be totally honest i was like scared shitless my first year but like like i said in the beginning i was like just go out there do what you can do and don't die (laughs) yes well you know what you've done what you just talked about and how you explain that has really really opened up my eyes to like when i'm watching that on youtube when they make it live and i'm like Come on, like fucking hit it! What's wrong with you? Like just go, <laughs> right? Like that's because I, I see it from a different armchair quarterback. Yeah, we're seeing it from the different line. Like, what do you mean you're hitting the same? You're going to the same spot. You didn't. Even, you're gonna go to the left. You would have been way better. Like, 
again, now that I understand that you don't have an actual like better view at everything and you're kind of going in blind, which makes the competition a lot better actually. It makes things really oh, cool. Oh, it's, and that's what's so amazing is like the people that put down good runs, like it's literally like watching a video game. Oh yeah. Because you, there's no second chance. Like oh. you have to see it, visualize it and go execute. And, and that's what's so fun for me about it too, is it's like, you know, you have to be really, really on, mm-hmm. unlike coming from the slope style world where I have a full day or sometimes mm-hmm. two days mm-hmm. to ride the course and yeah. put a run together. And oh, multiple laps. And so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. But then that also sucks sometimes because sometimes you make a dumb mistake and then your whole run is blown. And you're like, fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, exactly. <laughs> well, I know I watched it last season. I watched, I think they were in Kicking Horse. Is Kicking Horse or was it the Japanese? in japan i know the kicking horse when i watched when it was uh uh victor was there de la rue was there and he busted a backflip at the bottom where no one else was they were just straight airing it it was just like what and of course here's first place done right but some guys i've watched two seasons really you see their game change a lot because again they're learning how to scope out lines and probably if i was doing that i would be kind of practicing that in my everyday living like when i go out riding i'd kind of pick a an area and you know, act like as if you're going into the world tour and I got to only spot it from here and how am I going to approach it? How am I going to figure this out? And that's just how I am though. You can, yeah. you can see the games are changing. People are definitely stepping up their games and it's really getting a lot of fun. Now the announcers, that needs to change. Those guys drive <laughs> nuts. Really? Oh. <laughs> Man, I feel so bad for announcers. They oh. get such a hard time from everybody. I honestly, I think that they do like a pretty good job. Oh, and no, no, no. It's cool that like they at least have a former competitor announcing but because they actually like, understand. I know. I wish that they had one snowboarder. I wish they also had a female. They don't even. They don't even know the names of the tricks. Gave her the boot. They don't know the names of the tricks that you guys are doing. Oh, that was I a know. cool daffy. It's like no, dude, that's skiing. Like, <laughs> oh, she rode really hard. I'm like, no, man. Like, what are you doing? Like, you sound like bad. And it's funny because I, I also watched, well, last same year or that last year I watched it was. Um, Craig McMorris was on it for the first time. And he did really mm-hmm. well. He did really well. It was a great run, but it was like, man, I wanted him to be an announcer. He's way better at announcing. Yeah, like when he did the Olympics, oh, that was yeah. outrageous. Anything yeah. he does on YouTube or his, his stuff he does is great. But yeah, he did a really good run as well. And it was like, yeah, it was good to see like the guys that are other people in the mix, not just people I don't know doing mm-hmm. the world tour. So I enjoy it. Yeah. I still enjoy it. I just turn the mic. I just still listen to the announcers, even though they're annoying as hell, but... <laughs> it's still snowboarding so I love it anyways well I appreciate you watching and bearing with the announcers <laughs> <laughs> they had, they had, and not, nothing against women just turn the volume down yeah <laughs> nothing against women at all absolutely nothing they had one woman announcer and you could tell she was a skier and I'm like oh you're out of place like it's just not working. I know. It's but not she, working. like, I don't know. I Like I said, it's just so much harder than you think. And I mean, oh. you guys, obviously, like, you're announcing right now. So I guess it's not that hard for you. But for your average person, it's, like, pretty difficult to do. And I actually announced the Junior World mm-hmm. Contest in Austria, mm-hmm. like, two seasons ago. Mm-hmm. And I got, like, like, I mean, a lot of people were, like, super stoked. And they're, like, it was so nice to, like, have a female and a snowboarder and somebody, like, knows what these kids are doing, oh, like, announcing so this. Good. And then the amount of, like, hate oh, <laughs> from, like, man. angry little men, oh. I have to assume, about, like, a female. And just, just the fact that I was a female was just, like, absolutely not in their oh. minds. And it's just, like, crazy how 
sexist of a world we still live in. And for me, it's not that it was a woman announcing. It was just like she just didn't know snowboarding. Mm-hmm. Like, at all. And I'm like, oh. Like, someone did a little, little straight air, which... I'm sure it was hard because even I straight her on a super like, you know, 45 degree pitch, you pick up some speed, you know what's coming. So you're going to take it with caution. It's like, oh, that was really good. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, she could probably ride a lot harder. Like just, I don't know. It's just hard. It was, again, I'm looking at it from the armchair quarterback. Entirely. <laughs> Entirely. But you've given me a new perspective. So I love it. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. I always like to clarify that with people because I used to be the exact same person as you where I would watch those like a few years ago and I was like, it doesn't really seem like anyone's like charging that hard. Right. And like, <laughs> I feel like I could probably do this. And not that I was like, be like, these girls suck. But I was just like, I don't no, know. No. Like, this doesn't seem like it's that like challenging yeah. and then getting there. And I'm like, this is Ooh. fucking terrifying. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. my God. Yeah. So yeah. How was that first time? I mean, geez. You know, I mean, I there. literally like I, my whole thing the whole time has just been pretty much just don't make a fool out of yourself. Like, you know how to summer and just go out there and, and do what you and do. do what you know how to do. Yeah. And isn't that what but we all do, right? That, Jumping in. Yeah. Yeah, but there is that factor too where like on some of those venues like you know if if you fell you could very much not walk away from it. Right. And so having oh, that yeah. in the back of your mind is like pretty intense because you're not just riding, you're not just out there like riding, you're out there competing, you're showcasing to the world your talent and your deservingness to be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So like yeah. it's not like you're just chilling down the mountain, you're like balls to the wall and like sometimes it feels like you're going balls to the wall and it looks to the viewer like you're going super slow like i've watched myself before and been like wow i thought i was going so fast right there we're not all we're not all travis rice where we like uh go to the uh when the world tour was in uh, jackson hole and he comes off that cornice and he just fucking backflips you're like what yeah and he's just a superhuman like (laughs) Like, it's not fair yeah he is he's definitely not your average joe no dude no um so you were telling me when we talked earlier uh, earlier date we talked about how you got your first split board and you're saying how you've incorporated into what you're doing now with the free world tour so let's talk a little bit about that because that was really interesting to me actually yeah so it was kind of one of those just random coincidental things where I did a couple of different local just fun like super vibey contests like this one called the big wave challenge down in bend and I won a splitboard there so okay cool I've, I've I won the splitboard I'm I, I'm halfway there and then from <laughs> I went up to this other contest and well I guess this was actually before I won the splitboard so I won bindings first at the layback that nice. Hannah Beeman and Robin put on at Baker a couple of oh, years yeah. ago nice. yeah. so I won some some sparks there and nice. then I won the splitboard and then I had a shop sponsor that sells poles and skins and all the hardware so I was like all right well the universe literally just like threw a slipboard into my lap it. and was like you have to go now <laughs> So it was pretty much like there's no other option other than the universe is telling you to do this right now. So Mm -hmm. I just started going and it kind of just like for me has been more of an exercise thing because honestly around Mount Hood, there's not like a ton of epic touring and the touring you're doing is like essentially up the resort and riding back down, like maybe outside barely of the boundary, but like, 
you know, I pretty much use it in the beginning of my season to get up and get exercise and like get me to the snow. And, and during, (laughs) during the middle of my season, I'm usually like gone competing. So I miss, (laughs) I miss the times when you can actually do stuff down low. Did, uh, did, did I cut out? No, you just paused. Darren will fix it later. Sorry, I don't know what just happened. My headset just made a weird sound. Um, I lost my train of thought. You, you <laughs> usually miss out. We'll pick it up. Usually miss out this time, uh, the lower part of the season when there's lots of snow at the bottom or the lower part of the mountain. Oh, yeah. So, like, in the middle of the season, there's usually snow low enough to actually do stuff outside of just mount hood the one volcano that there is in the surrounding area but i'm typically out of town so by the time i come back all that snow's melted and then i'm pretty limited to just (laughs) walking up and down (laughs) the the resort boundary again which is great but it's certainly not the type of touring that i have been able to do in places like bc or even in washington over at mount st helens where there's just a little bit more space to get out and explore. Mount Hood is just kind of a difficult get, setup. You need to get back to Montana, Bozeman. Those guys get out. Yeah, in the yeah. yeah I know. <laughs> the Tell Was- me about it. Or the Wasatch. I just keep watching the boys over at Cardiff. I'm just like, man, you guys suck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> F you guys in the face right now because it's not fair. I know. That easy access I'm so jealous of. But... But the trade-off for living here is I have so many other great qualities of life that, you know, there's like a city that's close by, the ocean is close by, I have winter, I have all of the things I need, an awesome airport, like, you know, it's it's tough to really find anywhere else that accommodates everything I want in life right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's I know good. what that's like, yeah. So you're, you're telling me that you're using your split at this Freeway World Tour. Yeah, so sometimes on the tour when we go out to scope the venues, um, we end up splitboarding out. So like in Japan, for instance, um, most of the time we end up splitboarding because we actually exit the resort boundary. And in Japan, in the Hakuba region where the tour is, they everything kind of funnels you out into this creek bed, essentially. And so you can walk up the side of it. And without a splitboard, it would be like the most awful walk ever (laughs) it could literally take you like four hours to walk out there and 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 then you're like totally wiped and you probably don't have enough light to scope anyways so (laughs) it's become like my new buddy as far as scoping stuff for the tour and i definitely i mean obviously i don't ride my slipboard when i'm competing but to get out to places to look at stuff it's definitely been a really useful tool nice who do you, who do you ride boards for right now? I ride for Niche Snowboards, so okay. they're an eco-friendly company that's based out of Salt Lake, and I've been with them for quite a few years. They're amazing, and I love everything they stand for and their whole sustainability factor. They were like one of the first companies to really um, care about being eco-friendly and lessening their footprint and make the only like fully recyclable snowboard on the market. And they just came out with a slipboard this year. So I'm super psyched on that. I just got out on it. Nice. Um, like That's beautiful. two or three no times. Idea. Yeah. I'm so stoked on it. And the graphic is amazing. Anna, who is one of the co-founders of the company. She also draws a lot of the graphics, um, some by hand and a lot on the computer too. And, 
I just, I mean, it's really neat to be a part of a company that values my feedback as much as they do. And also just like really is doing things the right way without selling out and just like trying to blow up and, you know, they've been around for like 10 years and they're still around because they've been slowly growing and doing it the proper way. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, They've got some pretty wicked art on their boards. I gotta say. Yeah. They're, I mean, I just, I love what they're doing and just everything that, that the company stands for. And Anna herself is just such a lovely person. You got to give her a shout out. <laughs> nice shout out to Anna. She would be an awesome person to chat with too. Cause they it's, live, it's you know, they're the based mind. out of Salt Lake. Right. Yeah, I already thought about <laughs> it. Way ahead of you. Good. Oh yeah. It's like, it's so amazing. Like, so the, we get DMs. It's, uh, it gets pretty hectic. Like sometimes I could, I want to get work done and all of a sudden the phone's just blowing up and I want to, I want to talk to everybody because that's the whole point of this. We've actually made some pretty cool friends from people DMing us. Just got a new, well, I'm not sure if Darren's been following, but there's a gentleman who, uh, Tyler's his name that we started, I started chatting with. Now he's texting me and he lives, he rides out of PK all the time, does tours. He's bringing out two of his friends, uh, a couple who are just getting into splitboarding and <clears throat> they actually turned him on to the show. He reached out to me. Now we're becoming buddies, just like the other gentleman, uh, Bill Lang. And it's, God, man, everybody's so awesome. They're like, you got to talk to this guy. You got to talk to this guy. And it's like, keep them coming, boys and girls. Just keep, keep them coming. <laughs> trust right. me. Pay trust me. <laughs> I write it all down. It's in my list. I got about 200 people that we're going to, you know, th- this is a long haul. So everybody, don't expect them to be get on right away, but th- it's going to happen. We're definitely in for the long haul. It's been great. The fans yeah, have been awesome. A- the listeners have been awesome. The guests have been awesome. It's just, man, I'm blessed. <laughs> Straight up. Yeah, it's been fun to watch your guys' journey too, and I'm happy to have this little chapter in it with you. Oh yeah, awesome. Well, yeah, thanks for coming on for yeah, sure. Rhonda hooked it up. We'll get Rhonda on later in the summer here, and or early summer, I should say. She's dealing with her little baby and getting out splitboarding more, so she's a pretty interesting individual. I like what she's her whole vibe and what she's about. So it'll be lots of fun for everybody to get to know her. Totally. Yeah. She's such a special person. She's been a really, really dear friend to me for many years and just saw her today, actually. We nice. shredded some pow together. Nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's a badass. So, yeah, she is. <laughs> so how often do you think you get out? Oh, Darren just got some. Anyways. Um, I was going to say here. So when did you get your first app? Like what's, what's required to be on the, the free world tour? Do you, do you make you go to an avalanche one avalanche two? Like what do they take you for? Like what, how does that work in the background where everybody doesn't get to see, uh, besides just qualifying and, you know, busting your um, ass to get to that like level. Yeah. Well, we do a lot of safety stuff. Um, like the first stop of the season, we typically have like a safety course that we all go through together. Um, most of us are, are pretty well versed and at least have like our Abby one certs. Um, some of the people on the tour are like total badasses and have like insane certifications and I'm like nowhere near that place. I like, I like to think of myself as like, you know, I, I'm confident about what I'm doing and I'm also the first person to tell you when I'm not confident <laughs> about that's, what I'm and doing. That's huge. And, yeah. That's huge. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of peacocking that goes on sometimes I find with backcountry safety and what people like actually know 
versus what they show you <laughs> they know. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Yeah. So I just, I, I always just like to be very humble, <laughs> just be like, absorb everything. Um, but aside from the courses that we have to go through, we have to ride with a back protector on, which to be totally honest, I absolutely hate. I like, I'm kind of claustrophobic when it comes to like lots of things tied around my core and torso and having a back protector is not super fun because then we also have to wear an avalanche airbag which mine weighs like around eight pounds but it has to you know it has to be able to pull so you have to have the handle out and has to have a full camster obviously and then you obviously have to have your avalanche gear in there and your beacon on um it's quite a bit of gear that we actually have to ride with and they check it all it's not like you know you can't shouldn't scoot out there without it anyways but like you can't empty, ba- <laughs> empty bag it's just a rip cord only inspection time yeah fuck so, you guys <laughs> do you get to pick what airbag you're riding with like do you get to pick the yeah. system you get to use or yeah we do i mean the tour is great because they'll provide them like if you don't have your own but I'm really psyched because I just got hooked up with BCA this year. So I'm going to have one of their bags this year. But I have been previously riding with one of the vests, which I actually really, really liked. Um, I found that the weight swing distribution was dampened a lot wearing the vest just because everything was like distributed a lot better throughout your body. And I don't know if it's just like a female anatomy thing or something, but like I find backpacks are... I haven't really found one mm. that like quite fits my torso, if that makes sense. Darren would be but, that's right up Darren's alley, right? There. What is backpacks? Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm a backpack. Geek. <laughs> I yeah, I've been turning They're... backpacks down because I have too many backpacks. But, <laughs> that's but, a good problem. I to know, have. right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, you got me really intrigued with the vest thing because I'm hearing more and more. Or we are hearing more and more about the be- the vests, and uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I mean, I love the idea of being tight and compact and lowering that swing weight thing, right? Like getting everything tighter and closer to the body. Mm-hmm. Um, my problem, you know, mentally trying to wrap my head around a vest is like, where do you put everything? Does it all fit in there? Oh, yeah. Does it all work? Yeah, Yeah, it all fits in there. I mean, they have different sizes of them, too. But, like, I was actually pretty astounded at how much I was able to fit because I had, like, the absolute smallest one for competing. And, like, you can fit quite a bit in there. And you also, you know, you you also think of it as, like, an added layer, too. Right. So you don't have to bring, like, as much because you're staying insulated with, like, a vest layer on your outside now, too. So it seems to me like I would have to get used to that you know because that's one of the things that uh what are you talking about your Chuck? belly <laughs> <laughs> you're already insulated um, thanks, <laughs> um one of the things that uh that i'm always concerned about is layers and like i like to layer i'm a big layer freak i like to you know mm-hmm. put on my layers but but yeah on the tours up you know like i'm usually down to you know my my base and my <laughs> mid layer at that point right because i I seem to generate a lot of heat when I'm moving, you know, and yeah. uh, I like to let it escape. I don't like to let it trap in. And that's where the vest would be like, eh, you know, like not sure that I would dig that so much, but yeah. I'm and that to- was like my only issue that I did have with it. Cause I'm the same as you. I run really hot and I, I 
swear it's because of all my hair. It makes me like 15 degrees hotter <laughs> than like most people yeah, no all the time. <laughs> I'm like on the verge of having like a heat stroke always, but <laughs> hiking in the vest was like not ideal. Um, I would end up going like kind of easy and just like doing the top buckle, <laughs> letting the rest of it like oh, open, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> sort yeah, of yeah. Like, you know, the old flannels with just the top button. Um, not the best look and not super functional, but I don't know. It's like, you know, pick and choose your bottles. Do you want to be more secure on the ride down or do you want to be cooler on the walk up? I know. Right. <laughs> what, uh, what vest did you like to rock? Um, I had the Dekine one. Yeah. Okay. Which I found, it looked to me to be like almost exactly the same as the North Face one. And from what I gathered, they seemed to be the only two companies that were really making them. Although now that I'm on BCA, I did notice that they have a vest too, but I didn't go with the vest, um, <laughs> namely because I didn't like the colors. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a woman thing right there. <laughs> it is, I know. But that's all good. I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll just get a small backpack and I'll try this again because the heat thing really does bother me and that's like a struggle that I deal with constantly anyways. So minimizing yeah. sweating is <laughs> my goal in life. <laughs> Entirely, right? Yeah, because sometimes on the tour, you know, and, and depending on the conditions, uh, you know, you're you're on the tour up, you're in the canopy, you're outside of the exposure, and you're just cooking, right? And then you get up above tree line, and that that wind starts to whip on you, and you're like, hmm, start putting the layers on, but you're still a little sweaty underneath, and then it becomes an issue the opposite way. Yep, I know, just can't win. <laughs> <laughs> So find more power. This. That's awesome. So BCA, so you got their vest. Well, not their vest. You got their backpacks with the airbags this year. Is what you're kind of talking about? Yep, exactly. And so I've been trying this new thing because um, I try to avoid like riding around Mount Hood Meadows with an avalanche backpack is like laughable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think so. So for me, it's like, I don't even want to like have that conversation with people on the chairlift. So I've been riding with this slightly larger bag. It's like a 30 liter bag. And I've been like weighting it with a bunch of stuff. This is my strategy going into the tour this year is like, I'm going to wear this like giant heavy backpack, like all season. And then when I go and compete, I'm going to put this tiny one on that is weighing less than the one that I've been riding. And then mentally should make me feel better because that's always like a struggle too for me is going from riding like even if you're a person that rides with a backpack like riding with an avalanche backpack is so much heavier yeah. <laughs> and and like can totally throw you off like a landing or something if you're not used to riding with it and so it's like i'm now one of those people who always rides with a backpack no matter what it's <laughs> a good that's a good theory though like yeah get used to that weight and yeah, yeah like you're training right i mean that's essentially mm -hmm. what you're doing is getting used to that Mm -hmm. I know. I just think that sounds so like douchey. Ah, uh, no, no. I'm but training it's... out there. Yeah, but I got to do that too. I just kind of rock no backpack and I, yeah. I don't know. When I'm tomahawking, it's kind of hard to have a backpack on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, Chad tomahawks a lot. <laughs> I try to fucking balls to the wall as much as I can. <laughs> That's what I do. Uh, if you're not crashing, you're not trying, That's right? right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I'm not crashing. I don't care. <laughs> I crash. I don't care. Um, yeah. So, 
we'll probably talk about now with you. There's so much. I just want to get too far ahead of myself here. So what? So it's great that they actually do educate everybody on the sh- on the tour. So that's huge. I didn't know that. The stuff that nobody really understands. It, you know, you know, everybody's expecting. It's just it's it's like the movies. People don't realize, or you know, that they actually do an avalanche rescue plan. They do you know these videos we're watching. You know, there's been a a guide out who's checked out the snow and. It's not just these guys just drop from helicopters and go down the hill. Like, no, no, it's <laughs> certainly not reckless like that. Because, I mean, that doesn't reflect well on the tour either. Like, they don't want people to be no. dying. <laughs> no. Oh, no. So, that, <laughs> are you, like, the only one that rocks, uh, a, brings your split board out to go do, a, a, you know, like a, a view of the of the area you're doing? Or is that something that's new that's slowly becoming more adapted? Or is it people still boot packing or misery slippers? Um, no, I'd say like, honestly, everybody has a split board yeah. or is like ski touring, obviously, if they're not on a snowboard, but everybody's pretty dialed in. Yeah. Um, how do they yeah, organize was, that? Do they let all the athletes out? No, they can't be right. Like they must be letting you guys go out in groups to check it out. No, we all go together. I mean, there's only 45 of us total. So like, it's not that many people. Um, it's a big tour. Yeah, it is. They usually... <laughs> Yeah, that's a mega tour. Yeah. (laughs) They usually will, like, they like us to go with guides because a lot of the times, like, sometimes you will be splitting out or sometimes we're, like, riding out of a resort boundary and then splitting. So we usually go with a guide just for mountain safety protocols. So they don't want us, like, just randomly showing up. Um, So we kind of all, like, meet and then we all go as a group. And it's kind of, you know, a big okay, we're all going to go here and then all the cats get herded and we all go over here and then, you know, shuffle us around you the hill. You can't herd cats. <laughs> cats don't let you herd them. <laughs> exactly. That's why it's unsuccessful and we're always late. <laughs> the peacock approach and the, and the cat herding comes together, I guess, right? Yeah, my animal analogy. Yeah, that's okay. that's okay. For somebody that doesn't own an animal. That's kind of probably why, because you don't have one. Totally. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your um, your gear. Like what kind of base layer do you like to rock out? What kind of, you know, boots are you using for touring uh, in some of your, yeah, give us a little bit of a rundown of that stuff for you, of you that, that you do or you have. I'm all about wool. Wool base layers are where it's at, in my opinion, unless it's like really, really hot spring day and then i might wear like a light synthetic but um wool top layer for sure sometimes i go back and forth on my pant base layer between this like synthetic blend that was a um Dekine makes it mm-hmm. like a couple years old but they're kind of like fleecy on the inside and slick on the outside you know what i mean oh. um but they're nice because then they they don't rub on the inside of your pants and like get all caught. And then sometimes if you have insulated snow pants then they get all like bunched up on the inside, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But wool, wool all the way is what I'm about. I love, and I love my wool. I'm a Merino wool freak. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to uh base layering for sure. And I'm a big sock freak. I'm, well known in my family for being super particular about my socks. That's why I'm. Are you? I'm digging the smart wools. They uh, they're making some awesome socks, for sure. And the base layers too. I'm rocking 
are just some of the comfiest base layers I've ever worn. I mean, you know, I grew up in that, uh, that, um, it's the best way to put it. I grew up in that era when, uh, like I learned early on and back in the nineties, how cotton kills. Right. And, uh, uh, and going at that time, wool was not a big thing. It was, we were back in, we we're back in those days. We were into the synthetic layers. Right. So the synthetic, like polypropylene was the thing. Right. Mm hmm. It was good. It was, you know, the whole wicking thing came about and it was a great idea, but that stuff stunk. Oh, right? so Like smelly. it would hold on to odor so bad. <laughs> so right? It was the worst, man. It was the worst. Um, yeah. And then Merino wool came along and it just became my best friend. It's my winter layer constantly, uh, casual and sport wise. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Yes. Yeah, so yeah we, I feel good about graduating into like layering in my life now too. I don't just do it on the hill. I right. layer <laughs> when I go out into the world and <laughs> you know what? It's a lot more enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> Not absolutely. <gonna> absolutely. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, are you're familiar with Smartwool, hey? Yeah. Yeah, they make some epic stuff. In fact, uh Smartwool would like to send you a pair of socks. Awesome. Get you into That's some nice Smartwool merino socks. So yeah. yeah thank you. Yeah, you got it. When we're done here, we'll get your sock size and we'll get you wooled up. Sweet. Now I can be head to toe wool. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they make toques too. Oh, toques. Toques is a Canadian term. Yeah. Well, that's super Canadian, eh? You know what a toque is, eh? <laughs> I do. Just a hat. Yeah. That's right. I actually, I write for Buff, and they have some really amazing merino wool hats that I've oh, been, yeah. been rocking. They're they're pretty dialed on that stuff. Nice. Buff rocks, too. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I also just learned, speaking of socks and <laughs> being particular <laughs> about them, I just realized and figured out that changing your socks when you get to the mountain is a game changer. I didn't ever used to do it. I was just like, whatever, like my feet aren't there. They were never cold, but I didn't realize that they could be more comfortable. So I started changing my socks and wow. So what do you mean changing (laughs) them when you get to the mountain? You mean, or like when you're like, I drive up in a normal pair of socks. And then when I get to the mountain, I'm sitting in my car, I put on my snowboard sock and then my foot is dry and nice. And then I put it in my boot all. Yeah. Not dampened from my shoe. Absolutely. Always. <laughs> <laughs> the only time I don't change my socks is when I go to the local hill here because it's just way too close. Yeah. It's like 10 minutes from my door. So, um, mm. yeah, I drive there in my snowboard socks. But, yeah, no, when I'm going uh, when I'm going anywhere to go backcountry or to resorts, yeah, I'm always, uh, you know what, but, again, I am that merino wool freak so i will wear my casual smart wool socks to the hill and then i wear my riding smart wool socks when i get there i'm a freak i'm a sock freak it's well known it's well known so who do you what do you rank for boots what do you like to uh what's kind of just your setup right now I got these awesome new boots from Vans. They're called the Viaje. Mm-hmm. Um, they are new this year, and they kind of remind me of like the slipboarding boot that I want to say, I think it was thirty two made with Jeremy Jones. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the MTV. Um, they did a collab that had the little oh, yeah. like fold over thing, and yep. so these boots are essentially like that, but a women's version. Yeah. Um, the little flap thing doesn't come up as high, but so far, and I like freaking love these boots and nice. <clears throat> they're a double boa which i'm normally not a fan of 
I think they give you weird pressure points. But That's interesting. For some reason, this particular pair oh. is fire. I and like the Boa lately. Do you? Yeah. I'm yeah. They always crunch my feet in weird ways, and then oh. I lose circulation. But I don't know. These are awesome. Big nice. fan of the new new band. I think Hana um, Beeman had a lot of input on making them, so that's probably why they're like exactly what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Leanna, Leanna, Leanna Pelosi also um, she writes for them and she helped them with the boot. I'm pretty sure because she's rocking the set and she's out splitting as much as possible as well. So yeah, that's what happens when these when they when the companies ask the athletes. Hey, Isn't that the whole point? <laughs> Isn't it not the whole point? You, you give it to the pro, so. you let them ride it, and you let them give you their input, and then you build a better product. I thought yeah. that was the whole idea. Yeah, not always. It's so simple. <laughs> it is a super simple concept. <laughs> what the fuck? Let's get on. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Nice. So then you're rocking spark bindings, and you just got yourself a niche split this year. Yeah. Yeah, nice. so I'm actually, I was, I have a prototype right now and I'm actually doing exactly what you're just talking about and giving them a little bit of feedback on um, just a couple of things. We just need to tweak like a couple of little things before they actually go to production. I think they'll be available next month, but um, yeah, so on that board and it's also been fun to be able to give some feedback from my personal experience and, yeah. <laughs> you know. It's funny, I was speaking with a um, manufacturer today. And the gentleman was talking about how he goes, I already know what my pros want. It's not a problem. All the riders, I know what they want. He's like, I want to hear from the person who's just starting to tour what they think. Mm. Because that mm. opens up a whole mm-hmm. new world for him. Totally. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be that guy. You always right? are. I know. <laughs> I know. Um yeah, I just uh, I I don't know. I don't know if uh, when it comes to building the best split board, if the rookie is the best person so to. What he said is because when on their particular boards, when they get on theirs, they actually can turn on a split. Like, because it's Furberg and there's that insert, the um, the sp- I don't know what the, the floorboard technology, the floorboard technology, yeah. and that cre- helps you really, really dig in your edges. And where uh, a new person getting into the, you know, coming from a solid to a split, they don't feel like as much of a transition where a lot of the other boards, there's that, still that wobble going on. Hmm. Uh, maybe. I don't know. No, he's, he's I feel like not, that sounds like a stiffness factor for. He's, not, he's, he's learning a lot more from people that are just kind of getting into the touring versus the people that have been doing it for a long time. All right. All right. Not that the input's not good from a professional <laughs> but yeah see and my point was really just like what do like beginners they you know they beginner don't snowboards beginner no 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 tourists, no i get right? it yeah. i get it i get it yeah no i get it but uh <laughs> all right okay <laughs> he's just trying to advance his system a little bit better yeah this. no it's cool he's got some good ideas he's got some great ideas going on yeah so awesome. for sure that whole floor that's the furberg guy yeah yeah Han- the, um, they're based out of Hampus. Austria, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, I actually know Hampus. Yeah, Hampus is a pretty it's badass. Funny. Yeah. We had a good chat today. He walked he walked into Chad's world and he was like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Where's the door? He's just like, Holy cool. So, anyways, so you're you're writing uh for per, um, picture? 
Is your clothing company? Yeah. Yeah, I just signed with them this year and another brand that I'm really excited about and stoked to be working with that also has that same sustainable, right. eco-friendly mission and drive. And I mean, obviously, if you haven't noticed a theme by now, that's something that I'm pretty passionate I, about and try to align myself with nice. <laughs> people that are also. So yeah, and their gear is unreal. I mean, living in the Pacific Northwest, I'm sure you guys have heard what wet winters we get here and like, you know, everyone's all about Gore-Tex. You gotta have Gore-Tex or it's gotta be waterproof, blah, blah, blah. And it definitely does. But what Picture's been able to do with coming up with their own technology, it's called x which is essentially their version of Gore-Tex. Mm-hmm. But they figured out how to make it with no toxic materials or anything else that's like sketchy about Gore-Tex and the manufacturing of Gore-Tex or, or any of those type of technologies, you know, like I'm not going to throw any other ones under the bus, but I can think of a few that came out this last year that like it's all the same thing, but it's all like really toxically made. And so what they're doing and using waste from sugarcane plants and, you know, recycled materials. It's just so cool um, to see what they're doing. And, and the shit actually really cool too. It's not like lame. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a bonus. <laughs> have you, uh, have you seen that movie that they uh, sponsored called the shelter? Is it shelter? I'm not sure if it's the shelter or shelter, shelter, shelter. <clears throat> yeah, I did watch that one. It was, um not recently but no it's a couple years yeah yeah i watched it a couple of years ago definitely sorry let me clear my throat really quickly excuse me no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) so let's dig in so obviously you're you're eco-friendly you like to eat clean live clean so what's some of the snacks you like to take on your uh in your pocket. Yeah, what do you what fuels you in the backcountry? Clearly you're not a pocket bacon or pocket sausage. Like we just had two different uh, guests talk about you those things. Pack a big turkey leg and a Ziploc <laughs> bag. No, no, veggies. <laughs> Call it <laughs> veggies, right? Um yeah, I mean I'm a really big fan of energy balls. That's kind of like my go-to oh, thing. Yes. They're just so easy and sustainable and they're good if they're hot, they're good if they're cold, they're good if they're frozen, it doesn't really matter. They're always good. And you, you like frozen balls? In there. Karen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not responding to that. <laughs> no, just leave that one alone. We just leave that one alone. What? Um, what? But, yeah, Ener- frozen energy that, balls? I, yeah, that's what uh, I was talking about. Uh, frozen energy balls are just as good as warm energy balls, but they're not as good as ones that are chased with this Hannah One mixture. There's something called Hannah Living. Mm-hmm. Um, they also work with like Jimmy Chin and Travis and yeah, some other sick. like pretty oh, big right. people. But, um, so I've been able to work with them and they're like an Ayurvedic superfood type company. So they have some pretty awesome, you know, they have stuff that comes in like a jar, but then I also have these little packs of mm-hmm. like this little superfood goo punch pouch and it punch looks pouch. disgusting, but it's just <laughs> like delicious. It kind of looks like a Vegemite. Okay. If Ooh. you know what Vegemite is. Is so it like, like an green. energy shot, like a shot block type of thing or something like whatever? Yeah. It's shot, not that's a, a shot, brand, block, right? shot block, but it's yeah. like, yeah, so it's like a goo, it's like a peanut butter, like a single serve peanut butter packet, but it's yeah. not peanut butter, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. So it has like all these other superfood boosts and <clears throat> I mean, if I'm not going for like a 16 hour day, like I can usually sustain myself on some energy balls and those little things, but if I'm going for a longer 
tour or situation. I mean, I'm not above pocket bacon. <laughs> like I will, do, I will eat some bacon if it's out there. But nice. Um, you need pocket also, chocolate covered bacon. Oh yeah. That sounds amazing. <laughs> it's becoming a theme now. Yeah. Third episode in a row. We're yeah. talking about chocolate covered bacon. So that cool. actually really does sound amazing. It is amazing, man. You have to try it. I have to do the If you're not above chocolate. bacon, you definitely have to try chocolate covered bacon. Yeah. It is yummy. You gotta let it sit for a few days. Let the like <laughs> let the, the bacon and the chocolate kind of fuse together. They create this bond. And uh that's ah, amazing. It's well, so kind of like the chocolate stout. <laughs> oh, the cho- oh no, that's coffee. gross, man! I just finished Eesh. the coffee, <laughs> the coffee milk stout. stout. Oh my god! Jab of the hut by, by Fernie. It was three days in my fridge, four days <sighs> in my fridge. Chad, Chad fuck, Chad. it was good. <laughs> Love it. I need to drink more of that now. Oh my so, god! I hope your stomach is okay. <laughs> I'm good. I had pizza for dinner. Really bad combination. But that's okay. Um, so. We're gonna have we're gonna get you some some snacks to try out since you're you know environmentally friendly. You're also uh, you know healthy, clean, healthy eater. clean eater. Yeah, yeah. Except chocolate bacon, right? Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's like the occasional chocolate bacon. <laughs> <laughs> so Sands Sands Meal Bar is gonna give you a twelve pack of uh, bars to try out. They're sugar free, syrup free, artificial flavoring, all that whatever free. Sands is, means none. And um, so you're going to get one of those. And we also have... It is a of, French word, right? No. No. <laughs> no? No. It's something else. Because the way it's spelt... Sans. No, Sans. no. It's S-A-N-S. Sans. No. No, no, no. Saint would mean none in French. Without. Sans. Okay. I digress. Anyway, so these guys are going to give you 12, a 12 pack of bars. And we're also they're also going to give 10 listeners that get on the www.sandsmealbar.com slash darkstarts a free double pack of bars for the first 10 listeners and anybody over that can take advantage of 20 bars at 3 bucks so the deliveries you just pay for delivery that's it okay we was at www.sandsmealbar.com slash backslash darkstarts done there's a landing page going there right now um by the time this airs, there'll be a beautiful landing page, our logo, black, some of our little uh, our uh, little gifts that are on our um, Instagram are going to be there. Fun, fun. So, yeah. And then tell all your well, friends. Sweet. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I'm excited <laughs> to try those. I've been seeing them. Yeah, yeah. we're hooking everybody up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the Sawn Slangers. The Sawn Slangers. It's the Dark Start <laughs> Shred hookups. That's it. <laughs> so, that's, yeah. So, and then. So on a, do you have, have you ever, obviously you have coffee. You love coffee. Coffee is one of your things. I do. I, yep. Big coffee fan. Rocking. And How do you drink your coffee? I, I've been turned on to the oat milk lately. So oh, I go okay. with a little splash of oat milk, a little dash of honey, a little mm. coffee boost from that same Hannah company. Oh yeah. Just like some mushrooms and some other oh. heady stuff. Oh, and, like some lion's yeah. mane or something in there. Yeah. That's yeah. Yep. You know it. Sweet. That's what we've got to dig yeah. into next. <clears throat> I've always been, I've been lately while well, I saw Leanne Pelosi post about uh, a bone broth that she was rocking and making this epic lunch, the soup. And I'm like, oh, I got to get me some of that. <laughs> I, I love making soup. It's gotta, so good. I got to find a bone broth company to, Start giving you guys bone broth. 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Soup is good. That's hey. Yeah. So are you when you go on a tour, like when you when you go on a backcountry splitboarding tour, are you um like we talked about snacks. Do you are you a meal person? Like do you bring a lunch or do you just kind of nosh on snacks and stuff like that as you go along? Like you don't need to eat a lot. I'm typically just like a snack all day kind of person. Right. Um, I mean I sometimes will throw like a sandwich or something in my backpack just for like, just in case. Cause there's nothing worse, you know, than being out there and just being starving and being like, I really want to keep going, but I'm really hungry. And so then you're just like in this predicament, but no, mostly it's just, just snacking. But you know, we all hit that like famished hunger point at mile eight. <laughs> you're just like, give me that sandwich. Right. <laughs> Or the wraps. Wraps are good, too, for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anything like that. I'm not above carbs and meat and cheese and all of that stuff. <laughs> when <laughs> nice. you're out there like that. Well, that's good. No, it's, you need it. The body does need it as much as uh, totally. everybody keeps talking about being vegetarian, vegetarian, vegetarian. I don't know. I still like my steak once in a while. I don't eat a whole lot of vegetable or meat, but steaks is nice once in a while i you know i'm finding more and more on tours that i don't like to eat something big like it mm-hmm. used to be like charcuterie or stuff a sandwich or something in the bag uh now i just like to eat my pocket stuff on the way up you know and uh whatever snacks it might be um my sans meal bars um <laughs> all that good stuff and my chocolate covered bacon and then my gummies <laughs> love my gummies gotta have my gummies uh, always a good little snack to nosh on. CBD then gummies? when I get back to the vehicle at the end of the tour, that's when I chow down and have a beer. Yeah, yep. Fernie yeah. beer. Yeah, a yep. Fernie beer for the peak and a Fernie beer for the park. Mm-hmm. So, and how what, how do you like to bring your water? We usually we were, we've kind of stopped asking this question. Are you like a bottle Camelback? You know, what's kind of your deal? I always just bring a bottle. Um, Camelbacks, I've never really like tried using it. For some reason, they kind of like gross me out. Yeah, the water tastes disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like like yeah, there's just something kind of icky about it, and Agreed. so I'd rather just bring my water. <laughs> water it's like the, <laughs> the the rubber the rubber takes over into the water. Yeah, yeah there's something like I really know. like childish feeling about it oh, too. too. Like baby, like I don't know, like I don't it just <laughs> yeah, the whole thing just feels like weird to me. I just don't like it. It's like when I go to the bar, well, when we went to the bar, you go to the, you know, dinner bar or whatever and you get a drink and they give you a straw. I don't no, get the straw out of here. Oh, that tiny little straw oh, that you fucking hardly get, get that out of here. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. Can I have another? You, yeah. <laughs> you would it. think you would think their thing would be to not give you the straw so because you just gulp that drink back and then need to go order another. Yeah, no. Right, but then you act a fool because you drank your drink too fast, and that's what they're trying to do is slow you down with those little straws. Ah, yeah, I get it. Where are you going? Chad you gets going? acting the fool quite easily with the drinks. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so we on a normal tour i guess when you go on your own what kind of stuff do you bring in your backpack for uh, safety gear anything any kind of weird funky things or interesting stuff in your backpack that you you know someone might be like where they look at you like why do you have that in your bag 
I mean, weird and funky. I'm sorry to disappoint, but no, I'm like a pretty normal <laughs> person, I guess, when it comes to packing my bag. I did just buy this really epic windproof, waterproof, drop-proof lighter that's refillable that I'm super excited about because I'm a big advocate for, like, you know, just in case shit happens. Like, I want to be prepared, so I've, like, ordered this lighter and some little Tinder starters, so I suppose that might be construed as the weirdest thing I have in there, but if if you have any brains, you know that I have that in there for a reason, (laughs) just in case (laughs) I got stuck somewhere. I'm lighting us a fire and boiling us water. That's all there is to it. <laughs> nice. So the, the what I've understood is you need to get some lint. Lint from Yeah, the, well, I, I, I got starter. these actual fire starting things. Because oh, yeah. you're right, yeah. lint works well. And you can also use your chopstick. So like, I don't know if you guys knew that, <laughs> but like chopstick is super flammable. Anything that's petroleum based. So like <laughs> if you're sense. ever out there yeah like most people have a stick of chopstick in their in their pocket um and so you could get a fire going with your chopstick but if the stuff's really wet like if the wood is really wet then having like a little pellet fire starter like these ones that i ordered i think will be a nice safety net Mm -hmm. but yeah just fun little tidbit chopstick (laughs) we're always always looking for pro tips any other pro tips that you got when it comes to touring gear wise or techniques or anything like that that you use man as far as techniques and stuff honestly i feel like i'm still learning every time i go out there yeah okay (laughs) let me ask you this because this is something that's come up for me recently poles all right so like i just broke one of my three section poles um so i'm kind of in the i'm in the market and uh i i have these (laughs) My first set of poles ever were like 30 bucks that I bought at a thrift store uh, type of thing. They're nothing epic. They're not super technical, um, but they work. So that's kind of what I'm flying with right now. They're three-section telescopic. So they're not the kind that they're not three-section collapsible, you know, with the cable running through them type of thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm starting to rethink my whole pole regime um, that I might go with just a simple two-section pole now. Um, it's hmm. not going to, it's not, they're not going to be really small and compact and pack in my pack. Um, you know, but, uh, but they'll definitely be a lot more stirable. I'm looking for something a little bit longer. I mean, listen, I'm not super, you know, I'm not basketball Jones tall guy. Um, you know, I'm six feet tall, but, uh, I do find like the poles that I've been using, they max out at 135 centimeter wise. And I'd like something a little bit taller. Something that goes to maybe 145. I'd like that extra 10 cm's of pole. So, just kind of curious, what uh, what you like on that side? Yeah, it's so funny being such an average height person. I never even considered that kind of issue. That sounds hard. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't expect that everybody's going to have that issue where they need a taller pole. But I'm curious, <laughs> like, do, do have you like? Do you prefer a two section pole over a three section pole, or do you prefer three section pole over two section pole? Like, have you I done like any kind of morphing? Poles. Yeah, yeah. Um, not too much morphing. I like the three section poles simply because I like the fact that they get so compact. Because yeah. I like to throw everything in my bag. Um, typically when I'm riding, I don't really like to strap things to the outside of my bag, mm-hmm. which I feel like you would have to do with those two section poles. Um, to me, I just feel like it leaves room for getting caught up on things. 
Right. Um, so I just like those. I just got new poles from BCA. Um, sorry to plug them again, but no, that's all right. they're actually like really epic. Um, they have, they're kind of, I don't know how to describe them other than they're kind of skeery. <laughs> like the handles are kind of skeery and the sense where they're like, almost like racer handles. They're not like that aggressive with the plastic that goes over, but like you actually can grip them, which like I had lucky poles before that. And they're actually like very difficult to hold on to, which like sounds dumb, even when you have the straps on your hands, but the BCA ones felt like substantially sturdier, just holding them. And then I noticed just like, even standing on it, like, you know, when you're just standing there and you kind of just like chill against your pole. Yeah. And sometimes it feels really unstable when you do that, especially with the, the three section ones. Mm-hmm. And these are like super sturdy. I would, I mean, I, I don't know if they go up to 145, but you might check, check and see if they do. Cause they're like noticeably better than the ones that I had before. And I didn't really know I had a problem with the ones I had before. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm on there. So as you're talking, I, I went to their website and I'm looking at some of the features of their poles. One of the things I always liked about their poles, especially their grips, is they design them with that uh, little bit of extra, I don't know what you call it. Um, at the very top of the grip, they have that extra blade or they kind of make yeah, it into like a tool. So, yeah. So you can, <laughs> it's like a what? It's like a, a very scary thing. <laughs> <laughs> scary. I'm trying to wrap my head around that. <laughs> but yeah, they make the grip so that it's it's designed to to work as a tool for you to for flipping your risers down on your bindings, mm-hmm. um, which I which I find super helpful because I'm using the Burton Hitchhiker binding, which is a collab between Spark R and D and Burton, and uh, the risers. You know, I'm I'm gonna throw it out there. They're not the easiest risers to deploy um, and play around with. They're they're becoming more easier, and I'm developing the technique for them. But this kind of grip on these poles, particularly, lends well to that. Yeah, I totally forgot to even mention that. That is a really nice little bonus to those poles, especially. Yeah, plus they put in a nice amount of extra foam grip below the grip, you know, for when you're side hilling and you have that one pole that's uh, that's the uphill pole and you, you don't really want to hold on to the grip and you don't want to adjust your pole. You can just kind of slide your hand down under the grip. I'm geeking out about mm-hmm. poles right now. Sorry, folks. <laughs> <laughs> it's my thing. I have a good pole. Yeah. <laughs> have you, uh, when it comes to bindings and boots, have you tried hard boots at all? Have you done anything like that? Like on the, when you're on the world tour, are you riding soft boot setup? Uh, yeah, I definitely am. I'm riding those same, same vans. Um, I've been riding vans boots for the whole time I've been on the tour. Oh, okay. All right. And sometimes they feel a bit soft but that's i mean again why i'm so psyched on the the viajes that i was telling you guys about earlier um they actually are like they feel like a men's boot which is really good for somebody like me that actually needs a stiff boot that remains stiff for more than an hour out of the box right (laughs) yep i hear that one my boots are a little bit too stiff these days i'm like trying to tweak when i do a jump and i'm like it's, what's wrong with me and it's like oh the boots are stiff that's the problem <laughs> your boot is denying <laughs> you <laughs> it's like nope you're not twisting your ankles you're not tweaking nothing out 
wrong. <laughs> no, loosen them up a little bit. That's okay. Well, cool. So, <clears throat> um, what do you? Well, checking out your Instagram, I've seen you do a lot, a lot of you know, POV, uh, a lot of videos, <laughs> a lot of photographs, uh, or photography going on. So, what's your um? Do, do you use a GoPro? Or using a, yes. th- it's a 360 or what each one are you using? I have a GoPro and I also have a GoPro Max, which is their 360 cam. Okay, yeah. Um, I've had a pretty awesome relationship with the team manager over there for a few years. And he's always really awesome to like, hook me up with cameras and let me play around with stuff. And I have to tell you, those 360 cameras are so hard to get a cool shot with. I know. They're I, so like, weird. It's so weird, so and it's weird. like almost—it's like you can be so close to almost really cool, but then it's just a little off, and it just—it just looks really. It's like odd. psychedelic shit going down. You're like, why is everything blending together in the middle? Why are we totally. blending? <laughs> totally. It's like it's like being a there's a cart kids kids movie out oh, when there's a the guy turns into a pigeon and he's like everything's telescopic i can see around everywhere right it's kind of like the same idea you can see three are can, those the ones that are always like flipping and yeah, flopping from yeah. side to side yeah, yeah that drives me crazy nuts. nuts yeah it's like really trippy yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> although i've seen some pretty wicked videos with those in the past like not recently but like in the last couple of years maybe three years ago um, where dude was just doing this incredibly stupid line that was crazy steep and uh, it's hard to describe, man. It was like otherworldly. I was just like, what yeah, is that guy when doing executed well, those things are amazing. But it's like we were just talking about it's so hard to actually get that cool looking shot, and yeah. then you just look like an idiot for just like riding around <laughs> with this weird thing on your head, right? Tabby tubby. <laughs> Oh yeah, with the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Man. Have you um, have you have you tried any of those those like um sprays with a film you can put on your screen so that way the snow doesn't actually stick to it? So when you get big pow shots, it just the snow just slides off. It's actually around uh, using a GoPro underground underwater. You know what works really well for that? No, Rain X. Oh, which is like winter. Oh, water. that totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I haven't ever used that actually. I'm just like in the subconscious habit of every time I do a pal slash, I reach up and like wipe my GoPro lens. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. Makes sense. It's so funny because there were so many times where I'm like, oh my God, that was the sickest line. And then you get down and like first turn, it's just black. Black. (laughs) Shit. Awesome. Awesome. Dang. It's like the rear view camera on your truck. The one that you never right. wipe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can't see. What's the point of having one then? Well, <clears throat> another, uh, we got another gift for you coming up. We got Pro Standard Ken Achenbach, which we'll talk about in a minute here as well, because you heard you have a history with Mr. Ken or the um, Camp of Champions. But Pro Standard is going to give you a mount for your GoPro that goes in your mouth. It has two heat moldable tabs at the back. I'm playing with one right now. And, uh, you can still talk with it in your mouth. I'm talking with it right now in my mouth. So you can breathe, yeah, we can all talk. talk. Well, whatever. At least you can talk. I'm still hoot and holler. <laughs> I'm just picking um, it. So anyways, you're going to get one of these. We, the only thing we're going to ask of you is to do a little unboxing. And don't be afraid to give us a little, you know, 
picture of you with it in your mouth and just a little bit of content. And then, um, yeah, so Ken's going to hook you up. We'll have that sent off to you as well. The question now is, would you like a black one or would you like a white one? Ooh, got to go black. Everybody's going black. Crazy. <laughs> well, you know what they say. Oh. <laughs> no, what do they say? <laughs> I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, it was funny is that uh, we've had two other women come on. Well, two of the women that have gotten grill mounts as well. They've said, like, I've offered them the black and the oh, white. Yeah. And they go, you mean you don't have gold? Or a gold grill mount? So, Ken. so Ken 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 loves the idea that he's going to come out with a gold grill. Yeah, mount. yeah. I mean, that actually does seem like a missed opportunity there. I'm surprised right. he didn't lead with well, the gold one, as Mister Akimbach would say. That's epic. That's epic. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, you're going to get one of those today. Today, I was talking to Ken, and I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of tired. He's like, oh yeah, so you call me, so I keep you awake. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> That's right. He'll chat my fucking ear off. It's fantastic. So tell us a little bit about that. You you, you spent some time at uh, Camp of Champions, a bit of coaching, and other places. And yeah, I got to go to Camp of Champs when I was like sixteen, I think. Um, my stepdad, who was actually the race car driver, it was like. The one and only, you know, snowboard camp experience that I got to have as a camper. And it was like so cool and special to me to be able to go up there. And just Camp of Champs in general was such an awesome place, as you guys know. And it's a bummer to see it gone. But I, you know, felt like I progressed a lot that week and actually made like some really good connections with friends. And my coach was Sylvia Mittermuller, who actually was like, she's like, you know, mega pro German slopestyle rider. But we kind of like, you know, got hooked up after that trip. And then, you know, four years later, we're like both living in Breck, like competing at Tour together. And it was kind of like a nice. funny wow. serendipitous moment of right. like, holy shit, look at what you did for me, coach. Yeah. No, I'm competing <laughs> against you and I just beat you. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's crazy. That, that camp, you know, has, well, he was getting what, 200 kids a week? I think it wow. was. And it's like 24 years of that. Like, man, there's a lot of athletes went through there. A lot of kids who, you know, have become bigger names, household names, coaches. And it, it, was, it was great for the snowboarding community. It's really sad that it had to go and, or it got shut down. And even the camps in, you know, Mount Hood, Cascade, I, I always wanted to go there and never got to go there. And I think that's... Yeah, it's... A chapter is definitely closing of that era, I feel like, and kind of the the newly formed, more regimented Woodward-type places are taking over, which has its pros and cons, I think, but it's definitely, you know, like the vibe of the Camp of Champs and Wendell's and High Cascade and all of those, like, kind of soul of snowboarding places where a lot yeah. of people did get their starts are, like, going away which i think is really a shame yeah. and we gotta remember them for what they were and mm-hmm. you know it was fun <laughs> i made some good connections yeah. there as well last time i went with my son who's five he's way too early but um it was for dad I'm not gonna lie <laughs> yeah for a great a week of riding for really inexpensive Listen, son, it's gonna be so much fun oh yeah dude, dude. go throw <laughs> yourself off that little jump and well it's so funny i got this picture of my son rips down and ken's like with the camera getting ready to shoot my son and He's expecting my kid to like launch off this little wee kicker. And of course, my son turns like 
sideways starfish and just eat shit, right? He's like, well, <laughs> that didn't happen at Camp of Champions. Ken's like, off to the next one. <laughs> That's right. You didn't land your first jump at Camp of Champions. Sorry, dude. You're out. Uh, uh, you're out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been, and I've made some. I made a good connection. I made a gentleman by the name of Jeff Brown writes for Slash, and and then oh, I, was, I, I actually guided with him in Japan last year. Nice. Yeah, he that was mint, yeah. the Mint tour, right? He's on Mint yep. tours. Yeah. Yeah, that. totally. Yeah, I know. I, he's a rad dude. We uh, promote his stuff over on our darkstars.media page. It's a sl- it's another page slowly developing, and um, he's got his own side a little jo- channel. Not side channel. That's another brand but he's got his own uh, it's out of service he's got a youtube channel as well where he talks shows himself in the backcountry riding and sledding and all that fun stuff and yeah he's a pretty epic guy i just like the way he smiles just his smile yeah is just like, it's infectious man like, totally he's got super good energy oh yeah yeah <clears throat> so maybe you can talk to us a little bit about a um avalanche you've seen close call Anything like that going on in your life that you may have seen? Are you really, really cautious and you really take care? And you're that woman that is that uh, the guiding light that makes sure that no one gets hurt. I mean, I don't necessarily think I'm like that. I, <laughs> like I said, I am the person in the group that will definitely voice nice. about being uncomfortable about mm-hmm. things and likes to really have those conversations, which I feel like. Sometimes it's more of a gender specific thing. I think um, sometimes females like to talk a lot more about like what's going to happen if this happens or this happens or this happens where sometimes I feel like men are more apt to just like make the decision and go without like fully weighing all the consequences. Right. Oh, which yeah. Which may we're be all... generalizing a bit, but. no, nope. um, We're all dumb monkey <laughs> brain dudes. I'm, I'm that's in. for sure. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know about that, but luckily, like I, I personally haven't had anything too scary. I mean, I've been in a couple of little like sloughs, which, you know, can, can definitely shake you up, but nothing that's like, you know, bad decisions were made and things went wrong. Um, so I, I actually feel really lucky about that. I'm I'm happy I don't have a story to share. Mm. What I can share is like touching back on the Freeride World Tour stuff right. where like, you know, when we were talking about the safety and the guides and stuff and like, yeah, the safety team that goes out there is literally putting their lives on the line and like people have lost their lives like doing that kind of safety work for us. So like it's definitely not something that I take lightly and I've seen personally up close um, and seeing the residual effects and like Mm. what it can do to a community. And obviously I've lost friends and other people in the community that I know. And I, I hope that I never have to have a conversation about a close call, but I just try to make the right decisions to prevent that, but it's not all preventable. And that's what I also realize and know. And do all the right things and things can still go wrong. Yeah. Well, it's not, you don't know what's going on underneath that snow as much as you think you do. There could be a mm-hmm. small little something, something going on. A little yeah. can happen or oomph as they call it. And yeah, Instagram has been uh, definitely shows the good <laughs> and it shows the bad. And when the bad does happen, it goes, it comes and it goes, it comes fast mm. like, without warning. It's just like, yeah, yeah. boom. So Yeah. Yeah, and it's got to be prepared for it. So yeah, well, that's good. It's not. It's not a bad thing that you don't have a story. It's a really good thing. It's like fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I do think that, but it definitely, you know, I'm thinking of 
a lot of other people that maybe you know weren't weren't yeah. as lucky. I'm sure we all have those yeah. those people that pop into our minds that we miss mm-hmm. and wish were with us still. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what do you, do you have any? Uh, I'm I'm curious if you have any wishes or dreams for your split boarding future that you think like some objectives that you might have that you'd like to get after mm. that you've been staring at for a while. Yeah. Like a I certain really type like... of tour or something that you might want to do or a place you haven't been yet. Yeah. I really would like to get out to the Wallawas in Eastern Oregon. Um, it's this mountain range that I'm sure you've probably never heard of. Most no, people have never, never heard of it. First um, time. It's like this really, they call it like Alps of Oregon. It's like sick little range in the middle of nowhere. That's like 10,000 feet peaks, 10,000 foot foot peaks. And um, I haven't been there in the winter time. I've seen a lot of photos. I've done a lot of staring on Google Earth and (laughs) place looks epic. And that's definitely like next on my radar as far as checking places out. Because I think, you know, we may be limited to semi-local missions for an unforeseeable amount of time so (laughs) i think being smart about figuring out local-ish places to go might be our only operating system for the next couple of months here wow i hope from your lips to god's ears right like that it's uh this craziness ends sooner than we all think it actually might I don't know. Yeah, I'm not saying I know. Anything. I like. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm not jinxing it because I keep manifesting everything I say. So I'm going to shut my mouth. Okay, so I'm going to shift gears. <laughs> I want to know uh, a little bit more of the Wallawas. Yeah. Or did you tell us all already? Where did you say it was? In what part of? It's in Oregon? eastern Oregon. So it's like the northeastern corner of Oregon, almost on the Idaho border. Okay. Um, it's. I mean, there's, there's not too much to tell other than like, there's one tiny little town. No one knows about this place. There's a sick mountain range, um, that is pretty unexplored. Like there's a a local ski culture there. That's like very, very, very small. Yeah. And, um, there looks like some pretty amazing endless kind of terrain up Mm. there. That's relatively easy to access. So So I've kind of been eyeing up that area. Yeah, so I see the Wallawa Whitman National Forest. Yep. <clears throat> Snake Rivers up there. Ooh. Evil to yeah. evil. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it makes me think of. Cool. What are yeah. some of the um, That's a new thing I've never heard of. He's gonna dig, he's gonna nerd that right the hell out now. Yeah. I don't need to worry about Perfect. a map. I got the map right there. It's it's right <laughs> it's right in front of me. <laughs> so who are some of your um I guess as you developed and got through contests? And, and started looking, I, you already told some, some, one of the ladies who was your, I guess, idol or someone you looked up to, but who has been very influential, influential in your development growth, seeing I can, you know, wow, I want to do that. Um, who's ex- in, constantly inspiring you and moving you, yeah, to go to bigger heights and bigger things like the free world tour and touring and what's been your influences and who's been like mentoring you? Well, I mean, I feel like I have so many mentors in my life that aren't traditional mentors, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like I learn from so many different people. But as far as like a direct 
influence that I feel like, you know, someday I looked up to that I felt like I kind of really respected their career and wanted to follow in their footsteps was um, probably Shirsty Boss. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's a Norwegian slipstyle writer and like one of the most badass, stylish girls on a snowboard you've ever seen. And she also got a wild card on the Freeride World Tour a few years ago. But um, she also has a big platform for speaking out about sustainability and the environment and just like really encompasses and embodies all of the things that like I care about. And Mm -hmm. I could also say the same about um, like Jamie, Um, you know, she and I are like the same age and we used to compete against each other. And she definitely inspires me. I think along with everybody that she comes into contact with, she's a pretty amazing person to watch and just be around. And her like gracious energy is like, you know, to be where she is in the sport and be that humble is pretty incredible. She charges hard. There's no question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. She's pushing, she's pushing the sport and she's older than all the ladies that she's competing against, which is like a big, yeah, <laughs> big hell yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's amazing. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's interesting for me um, when it comes to women's snowboarding and the competitive world because uh, um, I have three daughters and uh, my, my oldest daughter, my eldest daughter, um, you know, competed locally, you know, and did all that kind of stuff and you know, we're small up in this area. Like we don't have a ton of population when it comes to that. Um, Mm -hmm. in Alberta alone, of course, we've got Edmonton and Calgary, which would be the bigger city centers, but they're hours away from us. So we're considered Northern. Um, Mm -hmm. so when my daughter competed in slope style, um, she never really had a lot of girls to compete against. Right. It was like a, a small group. Um, you know, and so a lot of times she wasn't challenged enough growing up as a rider in that sense, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and it, it was the odd time that, that she got to compete against, um, the kids from the bigger city centers. And then she got invited to go compete at Canada winter games a couple of years ago, which was a big deal for her. And for me, I thought, you know, you, you got a great opportunity. You got to take advantage of that and go. And she had to compete against all those kids from the bigger city centers. It was a little bit of a wake up for her, but, uh, Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was. It seemed like there was for us in this area, at least, um, all the riders, not never enough women riders. Yeah, that's I think still pretty standard most places you go. I oh mean, yeah. When I like even still riding around here at home, like there's <laughs> so few women out there. It's like crazy yeah but i also feel like it maybe is just seems like that um just out in the backcountry and like kind of more where we are like i do feel like when i go into the train park which isn't as often anymore but when i do go in there nowadays i actually feel like there's a pretty good representation of males and females in there and I mean, definitely not like inclusivity, but um, there's at least more of a presence, which I think is good. And then that will encourage more girls to like feel like, you know, they might have a a group that they could be accepted into in that realm. Because I definitely remember like when I was starting, I was like, you know, joking about 
like keeping up with my brothers and stuff and it's like yeah i was all dudes like i was the only girl right <laughs> with all right. these people and like it would have been awesome to have a girlfriend to ride yeah, with no one doubt. and like, somebody and you, when you're when you're growing up as a competitive rider in that essence <clears throat> you need that camaraderie right in your peer group you need people that can challenge you and you can challenge right like work against mm-hmm. each other and it's it's always better if that is somebody who's more your peer i.e. another woman right as opposed to you and the boys i mean i you know there's the big advantage of you and the boys too right um they're yeah. probably pushing you to do stuff that you never would have challenged yourself to do or maybe another woman would have challenged you to do as well but uh right yeah definitely pros and cons yeah <laughs> yeah oh hey i got a question okay that might be relevant uh, you ever do any winter camping I have gone winter camping. I wouldn't say that I like do it all of the time, but I've gone on a couple of little excursions. Um, certainly wouldn't call myself an expert in that realm. That's usually where I make my boyfriend help me coordinate things. There you go. So is, um, I'm wondering, is it something you would ever think about doing in you know combination with a tour? Oh, yeah, totally. Definitely cool. keen for stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a whole I'm, other pack. Oh, <laughs> you're not, yeah. You're not getting away with a vest on that one. <laughs> no. Yeah. You're See, t- did, you, did, you, did you notice how Darren brought back the pack on that one? <laughs> yep. Everything comes full circle. That was the goal. I set that up, man. Of course you did. Up. Yeah. Well played. <laughs> well played. Touche. Nice. Cool. Yeah. yeah. One day, one day I'd love to, yeah. to get into that. That's a whole, uh, you know, I tried some winter camping in my younger days for sure, you know, and in a, on a different or in a different zone of uh, North America at that time. But uh, yeah, I don't know, like the gear for it <clears throat> seems to like it, it could get pretty intensive and uh, the pack might get a little too heavy and end up going to become a pulk sled maybe instead. So, <laughs> or, or a sled with a motor. Oh, making lots of noise and yeah, with a sled with a. You know, it's funny that you that. mentioned that because, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, one of the things that I love about backcountry snowboarding and splitboarding is the silence and the serenity. Uh, I know I said that weirdly. The serenity. Um, and, uh, you know, just being, you know, I'm not going to get deep and philosophical and say harmonizing with nature, but you know, like I do like it quiet. Uh, it always bugs me a little bit. Like, uh, you know, I did a tour a few weeks ago and there was a, a lot of sled track and every once in a while there'd be like a group of sleds would come by and the one thing that really bugged me was just the exhaust. Mm-hmm. Like it was just so rude, man. <laughs> like, and even at the park the other day on the hill, um, you know, one of the operators came down to the bottom of the lift and he parked his sled there and he left it riding or running. And I was just oh. going up the lift and I was just choking on the fumes and it just really bugged me. An electric sled. I Right. Yeah, the, that's going to be the most epic thing when they come out with that. Somebody needs I totally agree. Somebody needs <clears throat> a snow-powered sled. <laughs> a what? Snow Don't tell Eco- Elon Musk that. He'll figure yeah. it out. Hydrogen. <laughs> hydrogen. Yeah, man. Nice. Just pack it full of snow and it runs off the hydrogen. There you go. Then it's eating up our snow. All right. I'm getting crazy. It's okay. Maybe I'm really tired and hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I think they call that delirious. Yeah, yeah. 
I need a Sands meal bar. I need yeah. an energy ball. Yeah, you, you got an energy ball? Yeah. <laughs> if I could give you one, I would. Just Wouldn't nice. even be a frozen one. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't like. I don't like frozen balls. <laughs> yeah, well, can't win them all. That's right. No. No. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> all right. I think Erica, this has been fun. It's been a blast. Yeah, we've had some good yes. laughs. We really appreciate you taking your time and talking with us and coming on and giving us a little bit of insight on the Freeway World Tour, your life, uh, you know, who's supporting you. And uh, we're going to give you the opportunity right now to do exactly Shout just that. out your socials. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, um, I guess you guys can follow me. My social handle on Instagram is Erica the Viking Vikander. And thank you guys very much for having me on the show and letting me tell my story and give you a little insight and laugh and grow existentially and talk about chocolate bacon. Yes. <laughs> I'd love. I'm so glad that you said that. Grin on right now. I am. I. Am, I do. I. That's true, man. I'm so stoked that you brought that up. Yeah. Hey, Chad. Did you notice how she brought it back around to chocolate covered bacon? I did. They listeners are sending us their pictures. Of oh yeah, bacon. that was epic. That was yeah, epic. You guys are awesome. <laughs> I amazing. Love it. Love it. Love it. That's cool. <laughs> Okay, right. so we know where to find you on uh, Instagram. Um, do you want to pump any of your sponsors real quick? Yeah, yeah. I would like to thank Picture Organic, Niche Snowboards, Buff, Backcountry Access, Dragon, Outdoor <coughs> Tech, and Hannah Living. Nice. We'll make sure all the other people that are supporting as well, the GoPro and all that stuff, we're going to make sure it's all in the show notes and also in the, all of your posts. So. Perfect, because I'm sure I forgot something because that was just me rattling off the top of my head. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we got your back. Oh, no we got worries, your back. Don't worry about that. All right. Well, cool. thank you so much. You have yourself a great night and uh, have fun tomorrow. Hey, yeah. Have an epic and I hope a deep day tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. I hope so, too. Right, Enjoyed chatting with you. Same so here. awesome. Thanks. We'll Peace. Soon. Bye. Good night. Bye. Hey folks, thanks for listening and a special thanks to Erica for taking the time to talk with us. And remember, you can always learn more about Erica in the show notes. If you're loving the show, please follow us on Instagram at darkstarts.podcast and share it with all your backcountry friends. Check back with us next week for our next episode where we keep the free ride world tour ball rolling with Jonathan Penfield, Tahoe Lab ambassador and winner of the 2019 FWT event at Kicking Horse in Golden, British Columbia. Shout out to our show sponsor, Tahoe Lab Snowboards. They're riders who make rad split and solid boards for riders. Log on to TahoeLab.com and use the promo code DS15 at checkout and get 15% off your next Quiver Killer. And if you're looking for new gear, check out our friends at S3 Board Shop. They have a great selection of all you'll need for getting out into the backcountry. Log on to s3boardshop.ca and use the code DS15 and get 15% discount on all online purchases. We want to give a special shout out to Monica and Pat for helping to make all this happen. Stay safe out there, everybody. Peace.